On this episode, we talk about a movie that makes you rethink what it means to have a very public massage. Everybody, welcome to the New World Podcast, where we endeavor to watch every New World movie from the era of Roger Corman to whenever they fell apart in the late 80s or 90s, whether it's sci-fi, comedy, or a apocalyptic racing movie inspired by Rollerball, we are going to watch every single one of them. Some of them are going to be terrific. Some of them are going to be awful, but all of them are going to be New World. Uh, I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Erica. Hello. And Mark. Hello. Tonight, we are going to dip our wicks into <laughs> Death Race 2000. <laughs> Car sounds, race noises. Oh, so exciting to talk about. Uh, so excited I, to talk about this one because this one's good. Uh, this is the movie when if someone were to say like, oh, so uh, New World, like um, what would be an example of one of their movies? This is this it. is the one. This, this is, is the it. one. Yeah, this, this is, is the one I think Roger Corman really hangs his hat on. And his wallet on, because he also did sell the rights to Universal, <laughs> and they made a bunch of remakes. And they're still making remakes uh, of a Jason Statham franchise that no longer has Jason Worth Statham it. in them Worth anymore. It. But this is this is a great movie. Not only that, it is it comes in at a tight 80 minutes. Oh, yes. so tight. God bless so it, 80 tight. minutes. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Real tight. Mwah. He got just about everything right in this movie, but also some things wrong. We'll talk about it all. Um... Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. I want to get into it. So, uh, certainly one of the more successful movies. Yeah. yeah. Made for a little over $300,000 mm. and wow. made $5 mm. million. Mm. So Yum. very successful. Uh, launched a movie career for David Carradine. Vroom. Uh, helped uh, establish uh, Sylvester Stallone. Vroom. Who had yeah, not, th- I think it was his third movie role uh, total. Yeah, and this, this is point. like a pre-yoked Sylvester Stallone. Like, he's not mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. totally ripped. Uh, w- listening to the commentary uh, on the special edition DVD that I found on the internet... <laughs> Um, Roger Corman calls Sylvester Stallone. You know, own it because you own it. We own it. We own it now. You know. I would like everyone to know that I also got it on a really good deal. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's an important. Yeah, I think that's really important. I bid on it. It's a bid item on eBay. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, um, Hold on. Hold on. Can we play some bets on how much this one cost? Oh, yeah. Let's play some bets. Hmm. Erica places a bet. (laughs) All right. I'm going to throw in... uh, I'm going to say $12. Mm. Mm. Okay. I'm going to say $17 because I feel like, in a way, it feels like too much, but I feel like Ryan would pay it for a new world. Okay. Well. So those are your final answers? Those are our final answers. You don't have any, you first, don't want to try first, another First guess? and final. No. Mm-hmm. You, you, no. You first and one. final. Uh, first and final. This We're is how locked these games in. work. We are locked in. Okay. I actually paid eight fifty five for. <laughs> wow. For not wow. not yeah. just not just Death Race two thousand, but two other movies as well. Oh wow! So, wow, ooh, that's yes. wow. Yes. a three dollar movie, triple threat. Mm. Yep, that's right. The hmm. Severin version of Inglorious Bastards from nineteen seventies, mm. and also what's the other one? Cyclone. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, very wow. good. 
Not new that's word a, releases. That uh, is a triple pack that you have to dive into. Okay, so you were talking about the commentary. In the commentary, Roger Corman mentions that he saw Sylvester Stallone and said, I think we have found one of the best heavies. So he referred to him as the heavy. So, I mean, clearly he's the bad guy of the movie. And that's what he saw him on. And that's all he saw him as. He did not see him as a leading man. So he then admits that he was wrong because later on, of course... Sylvester Stallone makes Rocky not too long after this movie and then catapults into a lot of fame and fortune. Well, so. I mean, there was Rocky, sure, but really I, I always felt that victory was when he found That's his when he voice, truly <clears throat> became a real actor. Mm. Right. Um, and I would argue that Cliffhanger is his best film. Really, that's when he really stepped into his own. We're really skipping over Tango and Cash, everybody, so uh, I don't yeah. know. Wow. Uh, was Cobra? he a leading man in that one, though? Cobra? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was a leading man. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like Cash was in, could have been the leading man, too. I don't know. Maybe Russell, he was Tango. No. I don't know. Don't remember? Probably didn't see it or saw it and forget. I think you definitely saw it. I think everyone saw that movie. Everyone saw Tango and Cash. Not everyone has maybe seen Death Race 2000, so let's get into what this movie is all about. Boobs. Oh, so many wonderful That's boobies. what it's about. All right. Good night, everyone. Thanks for coming <laughs> to the podcast. If it's nighttime there's, for you. Or good morning. I mean, this movie has the trifecta. It's uh, boobs, uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of violence, mm-hmm. and plenty of undercranked camera work that shows the cars moving at a comedic pace, mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. cartoon-like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Corman is is all too pleased to talk about the undercranking that went on and allowed them to make these cars look like they were going at a faster speed. But you were telling me, Ryan, that they were actually all the same, like it was one type of car that they just modified? Yes, they were all Vol- Volkswagen. Oh, right, right. They were all Volkswagen cars because they had the engine in the back. And then they mm-hmm. were able to apply all the many different uh, accoutrements onto the very front. The different so they frames. cut off the top. They also got them all on an auction. So they got them all for real cheap. Ooh. And did they mostly not work? I, he did not mention anything like that. So none of that is... I feel like they worked for the most part. But uh, yeah, they were all... like He wanted some cheap cars, and uh, that's what he got. So... Uh, they did shoot the movie mostly in L.A. too. Oh yeah, I was, I, I love this scene when they start the race, uh, and they all head out of the speedway that is the New York International Speedway or whatever they call it, and they go through the Lincoln Tunnel, and you see them going in. <laughs> right. And they get on the other side, and they are in the driest, hilliest mm-hmm. version of New, New Jersey you have ever yeah, seen, the like San Fernando Valley of New Jersey, if you will. <laughs> who are you kidding maybe that's what new jersey looks like i don't know i've never been so i don't know it it does not be that could be exactly what it looks like you can google it i guarantee Mm -hmm. you it's you're not going to see well of course he tried to make it look all dry and arid because it was it's and the apocalypse this is the distant future of the year 2000 right it is the it is the future state of 19 years ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) and The shit has hit the fan, everybody. Like, yeah, they, things they, have gone badly uh, to the point where, though, at least now we are united in one thing, and that is that we love the death race. Yeah, that is the one thing that we all love and we can all agree on as Americans that we all are passionate about, with the exception of a small group of women. This is an interesting... I'm glad you brought these women up because I am not confident what they believe in. Are they against it? Are they for it? They're revolutionaries. Are they just hot for Frankenstein? Well, it's, they're, I wasn't 100%. The goal is unclear. What they didn't like, other than the violence. And I, I know a lot of this movie is really about like sort of our obsession with violence. Let's go back, though, real quickly. The reason this whole movie was even made was because uh, another uh, studio was making Rollerball. And right. everybody had pegged that as a big hit. So Roger Corman wanted to make a movie to potentially capitalize on the possible success of Rollerball. Right. The possible success. The possible success. So he did this. And then he found the story by Ib Milchier and decided to uh, call The Racer. And he decided to adapt it into the story. 
Um, so if we're talking about the revolutionaries, is he then responsible for uh, naming their leader? Uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, oh, I had it written. Thomasina Payne. Thomasina Payne. Thomasina Payne. Like you had to be so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> How heavy-handed when you're saying that the is there the a Thomas leader... Paine in American history that we should know about? <laughs> may have, maybe have led the Revolutionary War, but uh, okay, maybe. She, I maybe, don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, he wrote some books. We don't know. We don't know. Well, of I course, we do. the script was written I, actually, by. There's a lot written about him. There's there's a <laughs> lot. Right. The script is written by a great many people. Started with Robert Thom or Tom, depending on how you want to pronounce T H O M. I like. I prefer Thom. I prefer Tom. <laughs> you know, however you want to do it. Uh, he wrote a script. Roger Corman was unhappy with it, so he turned it over to one of his good buddies, Charles Griffith, uh, who ended or up C. Harles. I don't know. That's how some people. However you want it. Wanted, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know him personally, so I don't want to know. Um, C. Harles G. Griffith. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. It's probably that. It's probably that. It's a good good chance. Probably 99% that's how he pronounces his name. So it turned over to him, who actually, he ended up doing some second unit work on the movie later as a director. Uh, he would do a lot of work with Roger Corman, went way back with him. But also they handed it over to Paul Bartel, who directed it. So they worked a lot on the script, and Charles Griffith and Paul Bartel thought they were making a comedy. So when Eric and I were watching this, Eric asked me, is this supposed to be a comedy? And I was like, I th yes and no, because they wanted to make a comedy. Roger Corman did not. <laughs> well, uh, I think they succeeded in both parts. Now, uh, and so there's a story that I got out of Christopher Keating's book, The Fantastic True Story of Rob Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Ryan's Research Corner! This no? is not the research corner. Oh, no, Shit, not I the research all back. corner. <laughs> Ryan tells a story. <laughs> Ryan tells a story. Ryan tells a new world story. Oh, I don't like that. Ryan tells a new world story. <laughs> That's uh, the here. one. Let me, let me we, go we're through keeping it in the story. We are keeping that. Yeah. Um, he basically looked at the cars and was like, these cars, this is Charles C. Harles. Looked Thank at all you. the Thank you. <laughs> he looked at all the cars and was like, This is pretty goofy and silly. And he basically told Roger Corman, You can't be serious. And Roger Corman says, Chuck or Seahawk. This <laughs> is a hard <laughs> this is a hard hitting serious picture. Now that of course is C. Harles' story in Roger Corman's own autobiography. How I Made 100 Movies in Hollywood Never Lost a Dime, he says, you can't do this as a straight and serious film. I wanted a dark, socially pertinent, strange Lovian comedy that would comment on matter-of-fact institutionalized violence in our society. So that's wow. his version of events. Everybody else, including Paul Bartel, said, who uh, would later complain that uh, a lot of the comedy was taken out of the movie because that's not what Roger Corman wanted and he wanted a serious movie. So, but I feel like when it came to the legend or the truth, Roger Corman is sticking with, I wanted a dark comedy. So I, I don't think, I, I think that is just, uh, it's convenient for him to make that statement in a book. I agree. Like fact. when was the book written versus when was this movie made? Because I could look back on the story of Erica's life and be like, well, yes, I made those choices because I was rebelling against a patriarchal society. But really, I was just like drunk in somebody's farm field. You know, I'm, come on. I mean, if we're being honest and I'm being honest because Martha I think Ryan, you're still you are, fighting. You are my very best friends. <laughs> so I am here to be honest with you because I'm here with my two very best friends mark and ryan there or is m arc and r yin <laughs> there is so much to love and not and not the least of which is the many different people that are reporting on death oh. race oh my goodness so wonderful oh so my goodness like yeah from the truly underrepresented uh character of reporter no i mean you have two you have 
You have Grace Pander, who is sort of the mm-hmm. interviewee. Again, subtle Grace Pander. Just the subtlety. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. You know, so, it's, part, it's, what, yeah. it's what Roger wanted. <laughs> and then you have, I mean, uh, the, the Academy Award should oh. go uh, to uh, the, the to the character, well, the actor playing Junior Bruce, who starts very first line of the movie is him saying, all right, all right, this is Junior Bruce, your buddy, your buddy's buddy and mine. He's his own buddy. Yeah, that's that's how amazing he is. Yeah. How this guy uh, who was played by uh, 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 real Don Steele, he was a, actually a DJ. He was a DJ. How, how yes. this In guy Omaha, Nebraska. did not Ooh. become one of the great celebrated actors of our time. Are I, we it's, certain it's not well, Matthew McConaughey, we, though? I will <laughs> say that we are going to celebrate out. We will celebrate him in this podcast, though, because he is going to come up uh, in several more several more times because he appeared in a bunch of different stuff that Paul Bartel did. And also that New World did. He will be in Grand Theft Auto. He was in yeah. Rock and Roll oh. High School. Uh, he was also in Gremlins. <gasps> oh, Wow. Wow, I had no idea. Rockin' Ricky Rialto, just the voice, just the voice, right? Um, uh, He's in Student Teachers as well. Wow. That, uh, and then he eventually ended up in Eating Raul. Now, of course, oh, which my is God. God. Directed I love Eating that Raul. movie. It makes me hungry. <laughs> the movie about cannibals makes you hungry. Mm-hmm. Eating Raul had one of the one. It was one of those movies that, like, <laughs> this is a side story. Wait. Ryan's. Side story. You'll get the story, then you'll get the side story. Ryan's side story. You'll get the story, get the side story. Stick around for the after party story. Ryan's side story. <laughs> it was one of those that when you went to the video store, I would always see that box. Mm-hmm. And it always had a foot coming out of the grinning mouth. And it was just like, what is that movie about? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the the title was a, a little bit of a giveaway of the plot. Bit of a bit of a <laughs> teaser, and also a bit of indicative of what Spoiler. was about to happen. But I was like, I'm really curious about the movie because I would see it every time we go yeah. to the video store, and I was always very curious so, about it. Not only did, fact, not, not the, only were you curious about it, but only you were because it was always in the video. Yeah, store. it was always there, always <laughs> there. And I was like afraid to ask to rent it because I knew it was probably not appropriate for me, but I really wanted to watch it. But a fun fact. Um, Mary Warrenov, who is also in this movie, plays the wife of Paul Bartel in Edine Raoul. Those characters went on to reappear in Chopping Mall. Yeah, yeah. For a scene, just a scene where and they it, complain. And I they note they... one thing about this. Ryan, I just need everyone to understand. Ryan isn't looking any of this up currently. <laughs> he is pulling this. From Straight from the dome, guys. Right off the dome. Right off the dome. That's up in the dome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all up there. This, he's not Googling this. No, no, I can no. confirm no there are no books. I don't know my kids' birthdays, but I do know Correct. that those characters from Eating Raul, the Ra- <clears throat> Eating Raul universe includes Chopping Mall. Yes. I do know that much. <laughs> so in addition to the great hosts, we have a cast of characters in this movie that, I mean, it's worth discussing. I think... I mean, you and every car has its own theme, like a boat parade, but across yes. the country. So you have Calamity Jane, who's playing like the country girl, and uh, you know, so she's got like horns on her car. Um, then you got she is my favorite. I'll Calamity just put Jane. that out there yeah. before you even reveal the rest. For yeah. those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, my favorite. For those on. of you who haven't Early seen favorite. it, we're going to re- reveal the For rest. For those of you who haven't seen I hope this isn't your first exposure. <laughs> um, and then we have, so then you have Nero the hero who's played by uh, the uh, the coach in uh, of the Cobra Kai in Karate Kid. Oh, really? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he must have the dome confirms he must have been so bummed because he has the worst theme it's just like a roman theme there's not much to it his character has very little and and, and, like he is the one like on the dvd again in the special features he comes on to say that none of the and roger corman confirms in the commentary he was the one who decided to play him very effeminately and gay because that was not how the part was written and he decided to do that in our non-PC times. Yeah. He felt like this would be a great addition. And they all ran with it and thought it was amazing. Yeah, and I feel like it helped really ground it. 
You know, it really helped like grounded in reality, like Roger wanted. So, in a in a non PC time, he got away with he he was he was being risque with that. While they were able to just slide in uh, the adorable swastika sweetheart oh. Matilda the Hun from yeah. Milwaukee, uh, back when you could you know just play a Nazi and uh, that w- that was cool. You yeah. know, back when Nazis it was cute. are Nazis are fun. They were fun. What it comes down to though, when you're talking about a death race, you're mm. like, yeah, there's yeah. a Nazi car. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. 100%. So to round out this race, we have uh, a now machine continue. gun. Now Joe you may Ver- continue. Vo- <laughs> now Joe you are allowed Turbo, to continue. Which is uh, Sylvester Stallone's character. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I mentioned, he's not yet totally yoked. He's fairly insecure. So insecure that when people are not rooting for him and rooting for Frankenstein, the hero of the movie, he just pulls out a Tommy gun and starts shooting into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> They don't show enough people. I'm like, he's killing everyone, right? Like, they don't show it. And they just show a cutaway of people clapping. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) woohoo! Like, no, 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 he's killing people, right? Well, I feel like they're clapping because they're like, yay, it wasn't me! (laughs) Right. Right. And it comes to killing people, this race, that's what it's all about. So it does not, people don't care if people are getting killed around this race. That's the whole point. Right. That's what people are into. That's the darkness that Roger Corman wanted. So we're introduced then to Frankenstein, who is... Uh, uh, well, you, also, Sylvester Stallone has a navigator, right? Also, hold on. They allude to the fact that the navigators have to be kind of fuck buddies, right? Yes. Like, oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100% oh, yeah. Like, before you are a good navigator, you have to be DTF. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you that's... navigate my balls... You navigate the race, right? Essentially, I feel like. Or, or got a brand new in Matilda's case, but... you navigate my lady parts. You <laughs> Na- navigate Calamity the race. Jane. Same thing. Can we? Same. Same. So okay. playing uh, Sylvester Stallone's navigator is Louisa Moritz. That is her name, and she just passed away this year in mm. January. Funny story. This will be funny. So she made it 19. Yeah, hilarious, Ryan. Here it comes. <laughs> Not that part, but she was the very first person to uh, say that uh, Bill Cosby had sexually abused her. Huh. So, wow. 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 All right. Well, thanks, everybody. So, we'll see you later. How about that funny story? <laughs> how about that for you? That was funny, hilarious. Hilarious story. All right, so after we introduce all the characters, of course, uh, Frankenstein has uh, reportedly been in all these injuries. He's missed, he's lost an eye. He's burned mm-hmm. his face. He's lost both his legs. He's covered in all leather. He's got a leather face, mm-hmm. uh, leather gloves. You can just see a scarred eye and, and kind of an odd mouth structure underneath. <laughs> yeah, very odd. An enhanced hand. An enhanced hand. Real enhanced hand. That we will get to later. When they head out on this race, they announce that they're going to be driving 200 miles per hour. Right. They're going to do... <laughs> and it looks like it. They're going to have three... They're going to have two stops. The third stop is the finish line. So they're going to go from New York to Los Angeles with stops in St. Louis and mm-hmm. Albuquerque with each night having a 12-hour rest. Mm-hmm. Now I ran some numbers here. Oh, oh, here we go. Mark runs the numbers. This doesn't I this doesn't make any sense. Now you're going to have a 12-hour rest period, uh, yep. one of which yep. you're going to have luxurious massages, which we will get yep. into. Right. And some some serious fucking. Yeah. Some luxurious. <laughs> yeah. Luxurious boning. Yeah. <laughs> well, big time large hotel room fucking like heavy. department store yeah. size. Yep. Yep. Like we rented out a TJ Maxx for you to get it right. on. Yeah. With Huge. no windows. And just yeah. an emergency exit door for Correct. in and out access. Correct. It, the only exit you will need will be an emergency. It definitely does not look like they tried to take a giant studio and convert it into a motel room. Or you mean with room. the sparse, semi-modern furniture, the freshly laid down red carpet, the fact that there are, again, uh, uh, there are fluorescent lights mm-hmm. above them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, Hotel room. Hotel room in the future. Like, this is a rape den. This is... That's all there is to it. So, okay, so they're driving... Huge ceilings. Huge ceilings. Big square footage. No one can hear you scream. Hotels had about four rooms in them. Right. In the future. But it took three city blocks 
So, okay, so they're doing this race. It's 200 miles per hour, okay? If you did 200 miles per hour, you could, remember, you're getting 12 hours okay. of, of rest. Okay. You do 200 miles an hour at eight hours a day, a reasonable amount. You'd be in, in Los Angeles in two days. This is a three-day <laughs> race, people. So I figured out that it would take... Third day is just for cleanup. <laughs> no. just, there's a lot of mess. <laughs> It's a lot of there's a lot of bodies. So it's two. If you did two hundred miles per hour at four and a half hours a day, you'd make it there in three days. What are they doing for the rest of the day? They're resting and fucking <laughs> for twelve hours. I thought we just talked oh, about this. But you realize that there's more than sixteen and a half hours in a day, right? Mm, I mean, give or take another eight hours of sleep. I mean, they have to sleep in there too. Are you saying the 12 hours is pure I'm fucking saying, and massage time? <laughs> they have about, and then you get eight hours of sleep. They have about 20 hours of, of rest and relaxation and then four-ish hours of actual racing. Well, okay. That, yeah. I mean, in I mean, that case, it makes sense. The yeah. math adds the, up. The math, math pencils out. <clears throat> All right. So math don't lie, everybody. Again, <laughs> it does not. Those numbers don't lie. Right at 15 minutes... Annie, who is the navigator for Frankenstein, takes his mask off. So, like, within 15 yeah. minutes, the mystery of what could be under the mask is mm -hmm. revealed. Like, and there's... I think it's one of the, honestly, I think it's one of the movie's best bits. <laughs> I always think that the mask reveal is one of the best bits and one of the funniest moments of it. Why? Because of his comment because after? Because of the fact that he just doesn't have a screwed up face at right. all. That it's just the mask. And then he like, turns and says, says, she pulls the mask off and he says, what'd you expect? Another pretty face? Like solid bit, dude. Solid bit. <laughs> it's a solid. And like, is that a? When I watched it, I was like, "Is that a burn on David Carradine?" Like, yeah. because he's not unattractive, but he's also not attractive. So, I feel like I think a real was, double burn. Uh, you know, I think he he was really the only real celebrity at that point in time in this movie because Kung Fu had been going on. So he was very well known because he was on a popular TV show. Was he like a hunk for the time? Like yeah, a I know how to of the times. I don't know. Was he? I don't was know. He, I, I mean, don't know I'm, that he I, was. So we have 15 minutes. We've revealed the mystery of the the lead character, which kind of leaves you now with 65 minutes of okay, what else is going to happen in this movie? But that's what I love about this movie. It wastes no time. Mm. It, it no, you're jumps right. in. It jumps immediately. I mean, we have right off the bat the real Don Steele. Just getting us right into the totally. race. Like, we don't waste a single second. But then, so we have our first kill. We have the reveal. And then they cut away to the other announcer guy finally explaining what the points system is. Right. Uh, of, right. you know, women are 10 points. Teenagers are 40 that points. very, like, an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Like, like, really shoehorned in there. Right. Which also... Uh, when, in the future, guys, just so you know, in the future, 19 years ago... The the you, you get you will not have the crystal clear 4K imagery that you have today. No, it will be. We're going to go back to a real gritty TV style. Mm -hmm. uh, in cars, the TVs will be black and white. Yep. And your 16 by nine, done. We're going back to the way it was meant to be watched. Four by three. This is we're <laughs> going back. To, that's how TV was meant to be watched. Well, the whole thing that caused the apocalypse. That's what brought down with it. <laughs> the great crash of high definition television. Right, it's like we didn't have the money anymore, so we can't afford high def. Right, we had it's SD baby. We're right. We're right. We right can't even say definition. We have to say def. We, def can't even afford to we say can't the full afford word. The rest of the word don't don't have the funds. React f. Which I also and the other point that I thought was interesting was that they said that toddlers under twelve are worth seventy points. Yeah, so the age bracket of a toddler is really expanded because, right. I don't know, in my right. current past future, in the time I live in currently, toddlers are three, two to three years old. But in the future, 19 years in the past, toddlers could be as old as 12. We don't grow <laughs> or, up or, fast. Uh, well, <laughs> I, now, the point of this might be a fact of the reason there's so much points for adults or for, for elderly is because people were living so much longer. 
a little known fact that isn't very well discussed at all in the in the film itself. <laughs> but there is so the people are living longer, and so it's also that's why babies and older people are the highest points because babies will turn into old people. So it's all about population control. That's essentially why the race so, is there. Wow. None of this is discussed in the actual what? film. Where did you Wait, where did you read about that, this? Is that yeah. from old is that from R. Rogers' book? <laughs> that is not from the book. I think I think it's somewhere in the uh, director's commentary. Oh, that's a deep cut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because, oh, you know. I felt that. Like or it insides. might be in Death Race 2050, which I also watched. Wait. What? What? Yeah. I, oh, okay. Uh, let's pause on this podcast and jump quickly to that one. Okay. okay. Hey, everybody. We're tonight. We're going to start watching. We're going to talk about a movie called. Death Race 2050. That's right. Uh, 2017's Death Race 2050. That's how wow. recent this thing was. Mm. Uh, we're recording this podcast in the year 2019. 20, so two years ago this came out. Well, still two years before Death Race 2000. <laughs> yes. Um, now, it it was still produced by Roger Corman. Um. It was directed by a guy who had who is basically one of the newer guys introduced to the process of New World. He basically had a real uh, education in New World. His name is uh, J.G. Uh, Eichterkamp, and he had made a movie for Roger Corman. It was the first. It really rolls off the tongue. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Echternkamp. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he had made a movie before for Roger Corman. And it was about it was basically Roger Corman and said, I got all this footage from a um, from all these action movies in the 80s. So just make a movie that includes all this action footage and I'll give you money if you can come up with a concept. <laughs> How many somebody would say that to us if you're out there and you just have a lot of extra footage and you would like my very best friends, Mark and Ryan and I to put together a movie for you just using that footage and you'll give us money. We accept. We accept. We, we By will... money, I also mean he was given $100,000. We accept. <laughs> now, the reason why this guy even met Roger Corman, he he made a documentary and an actual um, bio flick about his very eccentric parents because his stepdad was a one hit, on a one-hit wonder in the 1980s, uh, a band, and his mom's is real weirdo. So she was actually the secretary at New Horizons mm. Pictures. And said, "Hey, I, I thought you were talking about might the, give you a job." I thought you were talking about the daycare by New Horizons. That's right. <laughs> Roger Corman also started a daycare called New Horizons. God, I wish. Because it wasn't enough just to make movies. It was like kids get serious. No, this be, isn't a comedy. He read a story; they would go right to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the cat also has a hat, and that is why he and they're like we're. Roger, they're already asleep. I Roger, wanna, all the kids. Some of the I kids wanna, have left, but I most of the kids are asleep. I would like to finish my point. I will pay oh. someone $100,000 to finish <laughs> right. this point. Again, we accept if, if someone needs to finish the point. My very best friends, Mark and Ryan and I. So his mom like answered phones at his new production company, New Horizons, and said, "Hey, I have, I'm, I'm working at this job, and I think this guy might give might hire you to do something." He said, "That's crazy." And then she said, no, have you ever heard of this guy called Roger Corman? He said, okay, you maybe then <laughs> have found the one guy that could actually hire me. So they do. And he 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 made a movie called uh, Virtual Heroes or Virtually Heroes, which is hard to find. It's almost nowhere to see. But it did go to Sundance. Yeah, of course. Of course it did. Because his mom submitted it. <laughs> True story. Aww. So where's um, this guy now? What is he doing? So he made another movie just recently. I mean, he made the documentary and then the actual movie about his parents. And then he made um, 2050. And then he made a remake or a call of The Car, like a movie that they made in the late 70s called mm-hmm. The Car. So yeah. he made a the sort of a sequel or remake of it. Um, so that's what he's been up to. Um and he's also an editor, so he editors, edits a lot of things as well. But he made this movie, um, 2050, and talked to Roger Corman. He said, I like, you know, want to make this. And so they updated. They, 
I don't know if it's a sequel. I don't know if it's a remake. Basically, at that point, Roger Corman had already sold the rights to Death Race to Universal. They were making the the they're still making these movies, Death Race movies. Um, and but he wanted to go back and make it more and again the comedic style of the original because the Jason Statham. Uh, franchise of Death Race movies is more in Roger Corman's original idea, which is just a big action, serious action movie um, about so, car racing. Do they get massages? No massages. Well, no. In in 2050, it is outside of Frankenstein. They bring in all new racers, mm-hmm. but generally it hits most of the same beats and does have a massage <laughs> scene. Oh. Uh, and has the, the president is played by Malcolm McDowell. Wow. Wow. That's right. Uh, he, that's who we named our he, son after Malcolm McDowell. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, who I out. thought when I started watching the movie, uh, it is on Netflix. If you'd like to watch it, I listened to this guy on a, a the director on a podcast he actually goes on uh, WTF. He went on WTF podcast and talked about this on the same episode that uh, Marin uh, talks to Roger Corman. Because Marin was in, in the movie about his parents that he oh. made, the fictionalized movie about his parents. And he, he says that, like, Malcolm McDowell was like, they shot the movie in Peru, in Lima, Peru. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Malcolm McDowell is basically on vacation and was like, no. happy to go down there and was like, Whatever. We'll make this movie. I get it. Yeah. I know what you need me to do. I'm playing like a bad guy. And, uh, you know, would like hang, have parties in his hotel room and was just like hanging out. Uh, go check out Machu Picchu, shoot a little movie. Yeah, go yeah. exactly. Party he boy. Was just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> M. Alcum. So I, I think. Uh, so well, it, 2050 is essentially another movie. And it looks like it, what it, the only real big takeaway was like, this looks like a really like top of the line this is the biggest compliment you can give it. Top of the line sci-fi movie. It looks like a great sci-fi movie. But really, Roger Corman and his most recent stuff is all sci-fi movie stuff, which right. makes sense considering his, you know, what what he started with. He's still doing this, but he's still the funny thing is he's still doing the exact same stuff. And he wanted he forced him to shoot in Lima, Peru, and he talked about the fact that you have only split second shots of the streets because they wouldn't close down any of the streets in Peru. So he couldn't get roads that were like emptied. So he had to like be very judicious and cutting the movie because you'd have shots with people on the street because we were just watching them do this movie. Unlike this movie where he had copious amounts of brand new, freshly laid freeway running through the San Fernando Valley that he could shoot all day no one was gonna pick up on it's it it's like they shot in like the 210 or the 118 mm-hmm. one one of those right right before it was the 210 or the 118 you know when it was Basically, just santa clarita highway right or, and the know, same freeway Sunland. that they shot uh, a lot of like the chips episodes on mm. so back when back when we had freeways that no one drove on imagine that roger corman actually drove one of those cars in one of the speed scenes, because they had to pick up shots of them driving the car, and nobody else would drive it because there was no license plates, <laughs> and there was nothing. And like, if you got pulled over, you would be in big trouble because it was not street legal. Uh, wouldn't they pick up on the fact that you're shooting a movie? Like, yeah, the but they didn't have the, the they didn't have any permits or anything to shoot the movie on these freeways, so they were just stealing these shots. So he said, "I'll I'll drive it myself." So he fills in himself. For Did he fill in on like a pickup shot of the massage scene? God, I wish. <laughs> it just maybe his no sweet derriere is. But in what a was funny scene. is that. Did, didn't Sylvester Stallone start like in in a porno? Isn't that the like story that he was like in a I, porno at some point? I, I, I don't know. I'm not reading the same books that you are. Yeah, we're not as sorry. I, my porno. I thought there was like a story, and maybe this is just like urban be, legend. But whether he was like in a in in something that was called the oh, Italian we're, Stallion, we're starting an urban legend right now. I don't know. Let's start this legend. <laughs> in any case, when it came to that massage scene, Stallone did not want to do it and had to be convinced that he could do it. And by convincing him uh, that what they did is they said, we'll put a towel over your butt 
<laughs> so that you won't be so that you won't see the camera won't see that the massage therapist has his little finger in your butthole stunt butt <laughs> that's right Can I, I feel like butt? that's like you were saying that he wasn't as cut then i feel yeah. like now he'd be like oh there's a massage scene yeah let's do it yeah or yeah yeah I'll yeah. show my butt. I'll show my 70-year-old butt. Now, yeah. I feel like you do it now. No problem. But now, I mean, I feel yeah, like he now... might be throwing that scene into scripts just to see if people will accept <laughs> it's, it. It's in the new Rambo. Like, we don't feel like we need a massage scene, Sly, actually. He's like, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's in do the it. new Rambo, he's like, let's do a massage scene. Yeah, just real like, quick. Well, we don't honestly, need it. It really slows down it the action. Like, no, let's it'll be good. It. It'll be if good. If I think about that, though, I'm kind of proud of him in that way. That early on in his career, you know... Age, you know, being in shape aside, that he wasn't just like, no, I'm not a piece of man meat, and I won't just put it out there. Right. If I'm going to be exploited, I will be the one to do the exploiting. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And the many movies that we'll make after Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. He saved it, though. He really saved those buns. He did save that up. Did he show the buns in Cliffhanger? I can't remember. Did we get any buns? I know there's a lot of arms. It feels like we did. I don't know mm. for sure. I don't know for sure, In but I feel mind, like... Buns. <laughs> mm. I Imagine that poster with him hanging off the cliff. I, that's if all he I had think raw about. butt, so, that would be... That poster? Just, that cliffhanger just poster ass. is my eating Raul. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. I would always look mm-hmm. at that box in the video store and think... God. You're not the first one to say those words. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be the last. <laughs> Many people have said that before you. No, that that is that it, they almost they almost put that on the box. <laughs> I think that was that was Roger Ebert's quick review. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. It was him or Siskel, one of the two, but um, uh, one of them said it. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if you if someone was like, "Hey, you've had a rough four and a half hours of driving." How about a massage? And you walked out to what is presumably the lobby of a closed J.C. Penney's, and you're asked to lay on a table with <laughs> other people. Would would that be if someone proposed that to you? Here's what we're going to do: going to give you a massage, but you're going to be with all the people you're competing against. You're going to be naked, and Mrs. Pander is going to come around and ask you questions. Is that it's not cool? unlike modern times where we have sports stars in the locker rooms? Freshly sh- showered, <laughs> with reporters crowding them at their locker. Okay, okay. Think about it. Are they are they getting a massage? They probably would like one. <laughs> have you asked one? Okay, you're, I have not. You're right. Okay, but I, I guess the question was still to you both. Is this would would you be like, yeah? Hand me that little towel. I'm ready to go out there. Is it a free massage? Because I feel like, what yeah, are the terms? If it's free, I'm, if it's free I'm, I'm I don't in. even need a I'm towel. In. Yeah. I'm in. Right. Wherever. Lobby of a JCPenney's in my driveway. I don't know. Yeah. Middle of the 218, it's a free massage. I don't... Okay, uh, okay that's fair. Is the 218 that's a real fair. thing? I'm in. Just make four that and up? a half hours of grueling racing. Yeah. Right. So... Okay, so, so so then you finish the massage, and then they take you into a, a this giant room, which we've already talked about. Yeah, but in, during the massage, Mary Warrenoff is also doing the commentary for this on the DVD, and she says she gets up, and they have that little cat fight. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh, I, I, I was pretty proud of my body back then. I guess that's why I did a nude scene." And he and Roger Corman goes, "And you should have been." And I was like, <laughs> "Roger, that's that's a bit that's a bit creepy there, bud." Roger. Like, <laughs> I felt like that was a moment where it was like, and you should have been proud of your body, but now your body can just yeah. But now your body can just fucking eat a turd because you look like shit. But back I felt then, like it was a real backhanded real compliment real because she was gorge back then. Mm-hmm. Did look great, like she's killing it. But then later, he gives her a little grief for having her longer hair than cover her breasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Raj, leave yeah. something to the Raj. imagination. I know, well, but that's did not. It. That's not Roger Sly Corman way. The That's buns. not the Roger Corman she way. She can cover her mm-hmm. boobs. No, he wants full tits all the time. Well, That's we Roger all do. Corman. We all do. But, I know. you know. I know. So why? Do something to <clears throat> imagination. End of day one, you get a sweet <laughs> massage and some quality bone time in the, the... With your navigator. With your navigator. And what is one of my... Easily one of my favorite scenes. Why on day two... 
do you go to the most depressing dinner party of all time? Where obviously no one handed Sylvester Stallone utensils, so no, he's no, no. eating he's mashed potatoes his with his all over his face. Why yeah. is it on his face? Well, is he still a toddler in this race, or maybe he was just you they know, never a toddler, gave they never so gave the max age him to have a fork. They nope. did not give the max age of a toddler. <laughs> uh, so you have two sex scenes. So what 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 makes so what, what's so great about the first one versus the second one? Because I I have I'm a, thinking it's the first one, or maybe I'm uh, but the dance scene. Oh. That's what I'm is saying. D- night one? two. Is that the first? I think that's, no, that's night two. No, that's, that's night, night two. two. The, Where, the first night, night, they're like, I'm not sure. I mean, they do yeah. have sex, but they're yes. like, I'm not sure we like each other. No, no, but no. Like, you're talking about, gonna have sex. I'm sorry. You're talking about night one. It's before they have sex. Where he's just wearing the leather banana hammock, the mask, and the glove, right? right and they right. do a slow dance. And the slow dance. It oh, that made slow me dance. Very uncomfortable. Oh, it's so good. It's so oh. good. It's not needed. But I mean, you haven't had a good open air massage, open air group massage. So maybe. But he doesn't put the helmet on. He doesn't participate in the open air. The the face face cover. Yeah. And she likes it. Into it. Mm -hmm. She is. She has to be into it Mm. because she's part of the revolution. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's pause on. Let's cover that for a second. She's a part of the revolution. At this point. She is about to have sex with the guy that she is ultimately we find out she's trying to kill. Mm-hmm. And she's also uh, uh, been a part of at least six murders. Oh, yeah. It's, but but it's, that's fine. That's the race, dude. But they're trying to stop the race. How does she explain like, oh, yeah, we did kill those. You can't people. give up your cover. You got to win the race. The whole point is to win the race so you can meet the president. That's the whole point. So if you win, you <laughs> right. don't win the race. You don't meet the right. president. Right. You can't, you can't kill the president. Your, you're right. exactly. I mean, spoiler alert. They kill the president at the end. They still do. They, which I know I'm jumping all the way to the end here and we're not following this very straight. But in the end, the president is giving a speech on a raised stage, maybe eight feet above the ground. Mm hmm. Uh, Frankenstein drives his car into the yep. stage. It collapses. Dead. and the... <laughs> What? That... Dead. <laughs> yeah. I think if you did an autopsy, you would find that there was another cause of death other nope. than falling eight feet That's it. onto the wood. There so, was yeah. no more raised stages. Nobody could be on any other raised stage other than the president. So nobody was able to deal with that kind of impact at that point in the future. <laughs> they had stopped being able to deal with impact like that. Because... He is dead immediately. 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 Of course he is. Yeah. I, I don't find that to be a very likely situation. But anyway. The numbers. <laughs> How <laughs> many people have died from an eight-foot eight fall? I should have run those numbers. And I'll, you should I'll, have run those numbers. I'll do, that. I'll do that on the next episode. What, what, okay. what I felt about the fall was it was very, like, he's built up this, like, you know, super hand, and he's had this whole plan and revenge, and then it's just a fall? A fall, exactly. It felt like, don't you want to punch him in the face first or something? Like, Yeah, I mean, in a movie, normally, like, when you're like, oh, no, I have this grenade hand. No, but he threw that at... Right, uh, but they, they, yeah. he has it specifically to take out the president, but then they throw it and get rid of it. Yeah. So you're like, well, we'll have some sort of doozy to take him out then in the end. But they don't. They just run into the stage and he's dead. Yeah. They, that's kind of it. It's not really... Uh, no, there is. A, it's a very uh, uh, anticlimactic uh, end to the president's life. The second night, uh, Annie lays down, and before they start making out, uh, she is in this weird position where, I, I mean, she's got her. She's laying on her back, but her hips are and her knees are to the side. Yes. obviously because she's trying to hide the, her bush and, right. and you know trying to keep this mm-hmm. at a strictly trying R to keep rating. It PG, yeah, or R, whatever. <laughs> but when Frankenstein, the ratings of the future. Let's also really say like that this is an era where you are trying to hide your bush. Yes, because you yeah. have one. Yeah, because this <laughs> yeah. is the, yes. Because there it's are the few, year two thousand in, in the future. Nineteen years ago. You have a lot of bush, right. and they do. You do get some glimpses, but she's she's laying in the. Who would have thought of that she, time? She's laying that in the. That, that a people, the women having uh, real heavy bush was not going to be a thing. <laughs> nobody would have thought. No, nobody, nobody. not a single no, person. Ne- never, did, never, not even a leg, not even a visionary. No, like never. Roger Corman and Nostradamus Paul himself could not have predicted. No, nobody. So she's, sorry. N- 
N. Ostradamus. So she's laying... Not even Nost- Ostradamus would have. <laughs> and <laughs> Frankenstein goes to kiss her, and he lifts her up where she's now twisted like a pretzel. <laughs> and you can see her for a second kind of like, oh, oh. <laughs> the, for the rest of the makeout Sexy, scene, I thought, man. did she just like crush a disc in her back? He's yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry. You can't walk anymore. You can't feel your legs. I I feel terrible. Now you're the Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the future. Spines are way more pliable. They, I guess that's so. Just, that's how it is. Nineteen years ago, uh, I was very worried about her that during that whole that whole time. I think <laughs> you were very worried. <laughs> no, I couldn't. No, I was. Oh no! I was like, <laughs> what uh, is happening? Uh, but her not near. No. You're hurting her. <laughs> Almost as worried as I was in the fight scene between uh, Sylvester Stallone and David Carradine, where oh. uh, Sylvester Stallone gets his ass kicked. But at one yeah. point, they do this close-up shot where he's his mouth is bloody and he spits something out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's not like a tooth no. or like just some sp- no. it's like something thick, yeah. which it's it probably like part of, of that shrimp. dinner that he was probably eating. Yeah, was probably I think he's spitting out a mouthful of shrimp. There's also, if you watch that scene, like... <laughs> so did he pack in some shrimp before yeah. the fight? Cause it, Always. Just chipmunked away some I, I kept you, the, eat, you eat a bunch of, like, cold, raw shrimp. You're ready to, you're ready to go. <laughs> but you normally... To go wouldn't you rounds. swallow that before you get into a fist fight? No, Not you need to have some shrimp in your mouth when you're in a so fight. So he had this whole speech that he gave, this whole yep. argument. Well, he had, and like, he just had that shrimp tucked. Just... Really well tucked yeah. into his gums. Uh, okay, though, that explains because yeah, I, I pre- that's why he has that really crazy speaks like, out of one side of his mouth anyway. Yeah. So he can really tuck one, one side, side with sh- shrimp. One side is for acting, one side is for shrimp. <laughs> I didn't. Well, that explains it. That, I, I'm going to. When he's screaming Adrian at the end of Rocky, <laughs> he has just a mouthful of shrimp on one side. <laughs> We're like really quality <laughs> shrimp at that point. Uh, okay. Icelandic shrimp. If you watch that scene too, where the fight scene, like <laughs> they had a stunt double for <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, who is definitely not the same body type, <laughs> a different size. <laughs> it's a different size. He, uh, yeah, it's it's a great scene to rewatch because it, you're like, there's the stunt double, not Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. They try to cut pretty quick, but it's pretty obvious. And uh, and Roger Corman congratulates himself in the commentary during that scene that it's probably one of the few fights that Sylvester Stallone ever lost on film. Yeah, I mean, outside of Rocky, which and cliffhanger, <laughs> which I mean. He lost his most well-known movie. Roger he Corman lost. didn't watch the Rocky movies. <laughs> Did he watch Come Cliffhanger? On. What's that? Did Raj walk, watch Cliffhanger? I don't think he watches any movies. I don't think he even watches his own movies. He's never no. ever seen a single movie. <laughs> Other than the movies he made, he directed. I don't think he's seen many movies. So. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about too uh, on day three of the race. So now we, we've lost uh, a few of the different racers by this time. Oh, it's really just down right. to Frankenstein, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone's like early. Yeah, we yeah. Lose real, well, we lose Nero the right hero away. like right super away. quick. Yeah, very fast. Um, and then Calamity Jane, she gets attacked by the uh, the 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 rebels, the revolutionaries, and uh, they take her down this this path because they've put one single landmine on this dirt road yeah one perfectly <laughs> so she stops she landmine. stops right <laughs> one perfectly strategically placed landmine there you right. go so she stops right before it and kind of does a little huh oh, well this is this this has been fun better get back to the road she's in the fucking com- total desert and still has to do like a six point Austin Powers turn <laughs> to get back to turn herself around and subsequently drives over the landmine. I was like, man, like, like the director, Paul Bartel has been like, you want me to do what? You know, she could just flip a Yui right here. There's nothing but scrub no, brush around can't. her. No, she can't. <laughs> Look, you're, you can if you're a savage. <laughs> <laughs> a savage only a savage will go off the... or you can follow the rules of the road like the, the, a racer it was a dirt road in the desert yeah and you can still uh, follow the road rules okay all right death race mark you don't just <laughs> flip a you <laughs> come 
on. Oh, they didn't call it. race to the death. This isn't flip a U race. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is death race. <laughs> flip a U 2000. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. And in fact, if you had a few extra uh, cut up scenes that you needed to be made into, weaved into what a movie. Flip called you race flip movie you is 2000. Like, hold, hold on, hold on. He's going to flip a you. This is the best you, though. He's flipped the entire film. It really uh, closes out the uh-huh. entire yeah. film. Yeah. I'm going to make that movie. <laughs> we all are. With my For best friend. $100,000 and a lot of old footage from Roger Corman's <laughs> 80s Vietnam films. With my best friends, Ryan and Erica. (laughs) So there's a scene right towards the end where they chase down Frankenstein. They're uh, chasing him with one plane that can drop several bombs. And then, like, old-timey Roadrunner-style TNT boxes that they've got lining the roads. That Uh, was a very specific stunt, and Roger Corman is very proud of it in the commentary. Because you, you it, I, and I'm sure the shot of the car going by with all the explosions going off, like they could not do that many times. They have one modified Mustang to chase down Frankenstein, like one car, while they're all standing behind a rock watching. What? Why? Why are you all standing there watching? The revolution, dude. They're not well funded. <laughs> they're obviously there not well funded. There was a crash. Do you not hear about the crash of '79? '79. <laughs> it started the apocalypse, dude, and then. 30 years later got it they don't have much money they're not well funded they're they, doing what they can this is the can. best they can do they were like a real grassroots <laughs> revolutionary not apocalypse yeah. you know what am i saying here no apocalypse is really grassroots <laughs> sorry not apocalypse no, they don't start a- like hey guys if we really apocalypse. if we put this if we get enough signatures we could start this apocalypse <laughs> Uh, I think it's funny too that uh, after that plane, they think that it was the the uh, the French Air Force who was attacking yes. the French Air Force with one plane attacked yeah. one guy and uh, a prop plane. That is that. a joke that the director is still very proud is still in the movie when he said that the they was attacked by the French Air Force and whipped their derrieres. Yes, and also <laughs> the, the French took out their uh, the telephones. Yes, that is a joke that the director is still. Yeah, very we haven't proud really of. covered the fact that the bad guys according to the media are the french the entire time not the resistance the french right the french yes in the end frankenstein is able to kill the president he had this plan all along unbeknownst to us unbeknownst anyone to the they revolution. don't they don't unbeknownst to anyone if they only re- they could have known that email was going to exist <laughs> Well, they got rid of that in the great crash of 79. That's right. Everything crashed. Yeah, the great, everything crashed. The great server crash of 79. <laughs> everything they crashed at that point. Everything crashed. Uh, and then we find out that uh, uh, Annie is, yes, the daughter of uh, uh, Thomasina Payne. Uh, they get married. I couldn't help. So they, they're coming out of, I guess, the, the church or whatever. They just got married. They're both in white. But she's wearing a very sheer white shirt. Mm-hmm. I feel that like they're can... coming out of a JCPenney. I just feel like that's... <laughs> I just feel more comfortable but I just thinking thought, that. If you wore that on your wedding day, how many people in that, it's in future, that audience it's is going... Future. People do big mass uh, massages together. <laughs> Yes. People don't care so, if on your wedding day so, you're showing off your titties. Like, it's the future. We don't care anymore. Yeah. Titties are the future. Yeah. yeah. Also, my biggest you disappointment... You know what also crashed in 79? Your puritanical ways. Yeah. Very... My biggest disappointment, though, was that Thomasina's... Thomasina's... Thomasina Payne's daughter... Thomasina Payne. Thank you. Uh-huh. Her daughter was just named Annie... Yeah, I was really hoping her name would be Annie like Payne. Let's be honest, yeah. right? Annie. I was Payne? hoping that her name was going to be something else, like you know, Georgina Washington. No, or you know, why would you give her a different last name? Because it's the future. Frankenstein is now president of the country. Mm-hmm. He drives a sweet Pantera now. Mm-hmm. Big upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the end, uh, runs over our favorite announcer, Buddy. I know. Only he's the final yeah. kill of the, the film. Final kill. Final kill. Such a final kill. And truly, they were saying like he's. I mean, it really like they're saying like you're not going to do the old ways. You're going to get rid of the race, and he begs him not to get rid of the race, and then he kills him. And I'm like, that is. 
That is some really dark irony there. That that poor guy was like, don't get rid of the race. No, well, we'll kill you, though. Well, and he says, do we have to listen to this? And he says, no, we don't. And runs her, uh, runs him over. Yeah, uh, and all, we, all that's left is the scarf. Uh, so, and at this point, I think we're only... 76 minutes, 75 yeah, minutes credits. We got, with not credits. Not too long of credits. <laughs> yeah. Not too long of credits. Yeah. But yes. yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're, we don't, have, we don't waste time. This film does not waste time. No. No bloops though. Spoiler. No bloops. No bloops in the credits? Yeah. No. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. credits have bloops, you know? That wasn't no. a thing. I don't think not that's the thing that we're going to run into too much. No, that's when you got to watch yeah. Can- Cannonball Run. I think you're thinking mm. of the other road race movie. Which is what this movie sets off. This movie sets off a slew of road race movies, uh, including, I would, which now I can't wait to get to, Paul Bartel, the director, reteaming with David Carradine for the movie Cannonball a few years later from Death Race 2000, which then would inspire Cannonball Run movies. But also, Death Race inspired... Mad Max. Hmm. So we would not have Mad Max without Death Race wow. 2000. Wow. wow. So George Miller apparently at some point admitted that that was what his inspiration was. There's something uniquely charming about Death Race 2000. I wish that, I mean, according to Paul Bartel, he wanted more humor in the movie and that got nixed. According to, again, uh, Christopher Cading's book, uh, Rod, uh, the, the Fantastic True Story of Roger Corman's New World Pictures, he says that the script actually had – there wasn't, like, a ton more humor in the script. Mm-hmm. That So he, he – it's the writer's assertion that there wasn't a lot of humor cut out, but it's always been Paul Bartel's story, who is no longer with us, sadly. But he had always said that, that Roger Corman cut out a lot more of the humor of the film. And I think that that, that, that actually – that's what really sells the film, too, is that, that this – it is so cartoonish and crazy mm-hmm. and silly – um, that they added in a lot of the gore stuff. So when Sylvester Stallone, for instance, they run over that like fisherman guy and they run over him with the car <laughs> yeah. and then like run over his head. Like yeah. all that is shot by the screenwriter, Charles Griffith, mm-hmm. who, who he did all that second unit. So they added all that stuff right. in later. So they added a lot more gore and stuff into the movie. Because the movie was only 45 minutes long at right. that point. And some of those great gore scenes where guys like fly up in the air and then land on the street with like yeah. paint all over their jeans. Right. <laughs> I think, I mean, this movie, the lack of budget, I, there, it forced them to come up with a certain style yeah. of set pieces of the cars, of the way it's shot, of kind of how the characters are, They're, them being really campy, really over the top. But it all works. This is one where like, I feel like he. Paul Bartel rose the occasion and knew how to work within those yeah. restrictions. And not everybody does. You're right. And But in this one, I feel like they made enough right moves that it works. And it's fun. And right. it's, it's, it's good. It's, a, it's an enjoyable movie. I hadn't seen it in years, and it's still good. It's yeah. still enjoyable. I don't think a lot of movies sometimes that people made for Roger Corman, they were like, okay, we're going to have – we're going to have a limited budget, so let's lean into it. Right. Like in this movie, the soundtrack is completely bonkers because it goes from sort of space age mm-hmm. sounds to sounds that you would hear at the like on a uh, Dukes of Hazard episode or, or 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 you know BJ and the Bear like some kind of oh. country background. BJ and, and the Bear. Then God, put that soundtrack out. Whoever who owns the rights, who owns that? get it out there. <clears throat> and then also put it on vinyl. I want to hear it. <laughs> also romantic sort of classical music mm-hmm. there's there's this, this it scene, runs the gamut no, there's yeah. a scene i love where where annie's trying to steer the car they're driving and they're about to drive off a cliff and the music instead of being suspenseful they're about to drive off a fucking cliff is like the mm-hmm. kind of music you'd hear in a romance movie where two people are running mm-hmm. towards each other across a yeah. field mm-hmm. i'm like who picked this song mm-hmm. for this and this yet makes, it works. And yet it works. It wor- yeah. Wouldn't change a thing. No. Um, Except removing that towel off SS's buns. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, uh, favorite scene? Oh, favorite scene. I already mentioned mine. It's definitely the dance scene. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. The dance that scene 
Yeah, and I love the scene where he takes the mask off and it's revealed that he's actually not all scarred and, and messed up. But out of those, pick another one. Uh, I, I'm going to have to say just the entire massage scene because <laughs> it's, massage it scene. is just it's a good one. It is incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, and it, nobody, none of the actors, quite frankly, look comfortable in that scene. Uh, they seem like they're all like, how quickly can we get this whole shot done? Uh, and the fact that it looks like it's in the abandoned lobby of J.C. Penney is mm-hmm. just icing on the cake. And it's like a perfect Roger Corman moment because, you know, as we, we were discussing from like uh, in uh, Humanoids from the Deep, <laughs> where they had to go back and reshoot all the scenes of mm-hmm. naked women because that's the Roger Corman staple. <laughs> this one, he was like, it's just happening so naturally. We just have all these naked people on tables. This is perfect. You know, like that was just, that was built in. Right. I think my favorite scene is really the introduction to Frankenstein because he, they, the buildup is just, he's everybody's favorite racer. Here he is. Yeah. And then he has a real Kaiser Sose <laughs> moment where he kind of limps in to speak to the reporters. And then you see as he's walking towards Annie, the new navigator, he kind of lets that go. Hmm. I think that's yeah. it. I think that's yeah. it. Interesting. For me. Interesting pick. Yeah. Interesting pick. That's a good pick. Yeah, it's a good flick. It's a good one. Yeah. This is really, uh, I can see why Roger Corman, this is one he's always happy to talk about. Always happy to sell to Universal for lots of money <laughs> so they can yeah. build uh, a lot of movies off of it. And uh, for good reason. It's a it's 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 a good movie. Um, uh, he does not change what he wants to get out of it. And for Death Race 2050, it's the same thing he wants out of it. He wants boobs. He wants people getting killed. Yeah. He, uh, they, they did change a few things, some of which were Roger Corman's idea. They have uh, a sentient car hmm. uh, that works on its own, and the the woman that that drives it has sex with it. She has oh. sex with the car. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. That was Roger Corman's hmm. idea. 90 years old. Wow. Wow. He's still still wow. at that still point. Got it. At that point, or whatever. He's in his 90s, or late 80s at least. Uh, and uh, that's what he's saying. Let's make a movie with a with a car where a woman has sex with a car. Um, you know, so he's he's still he's still at it, still making movies his way. So after uh, like a little over an hour long podcast, uh, what do we get for R and R? We get twelve hours of rest mm-hmm. and a massage, group massage. Clearly, right. I mean, we've worked hard, hard, yeah, hard, and we should all put. <laughs> put those hard bits on a table mm-hmm. and let people massage them with mm-hmm. a towel over our butts for modesty. modesty. We are not savages. Now I'll put my hair over my breasts <laughs> like I always do. <laughs> and you should. All right. Let's get after it. <laughs>